How are you going to take something as big and deep and rich and beyond our understanding and make it a he? How are you going to take something beyond mortal understanding and give them the pronoun he? Today's podcast is going to be God's correct pronouns are they. What I'm going to talk to you about is I am going to look at some of the different religions and give you some arguments about why I feel like God's correct pronouns are they. I am going to look at some ways that we think of or frame God as a they. And then I'm going to dive into some science and give you some arguments about why and what God is and why what and God is may also be a they as well. So first off, let's get started, and let's take the layup one. Uh, and th- it's funny because th- I feel like this is going to be the one that like people get like you know could get most hooty duty about. But you look at Christianity specifically. So looking at Christianity, <clears throat> um, Christianity for the most part believes God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So how many people you got there? You got the Father, you got the Son. Now, granted, they give both of those identities gender. But now, here, here, here comes the problem. Holy Spirit. What gender is a Holy Spirit? What, what's the correct gender for Holy Spirit? We don't know. And let's just say you could give a spirit a gender. I would also then argue, still, you got three people. Three people seems like a they. And it's funny because folks that are probably the most Christian are going to be the people that the most believe that no way can you give God a they pronoun. But I mean, let's be honest. Facts are facts. You look at it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They, right? That makes sense to me. They. That makes makes sense in a they. Uh, You look at the same type of tradition. Uh, You look at a monotheistic God from a Jewish perspective. Again, with some of the things that they talk about with God, with uh, how they see and understand God, um, God is omnipresent. God is beyond time. He sees forwards and backwards in time. So anything that can see like forwards and backwards in time, again, it only makes sense. There is no way that is a he indefinite pronoun only. Uh, At best... You would, it would, you would look at it and you would say, no, this thing has to be a they because they exist in several different spaces. And because they exist in several different spaces, not just one space, again, it doesn't make sense that God can only be a singular he because God is everywhere. Um, you know, like the way they see God, the way they understand God. Again, that God has to be a they in the way I see and understand the way they talk about stuff in the Jewish religion. Now, checking on God from a Islamic perspective, right? So this is how God is described in the Islamic perspective. The absolute one, the all-powerful and all-knowing ruler of the universe and creator of everything in existence. Uh, Islam emphasizes that God is singular, so just one entity, right? Unique Inherently one and all, all merciful 
and all omnipotent. So again, understanding God, he's got to be more than just a him. He's got to be a they, all powerful. So, um, and then then here's where it becomes the the where where I nail him down, right? Um, all knowing, all powerful, um, unique, and omnipotent. Omnipotent. Like when you get to omnipotent, it's really hard to say that God is just a one. So if he's the creator of, you know, if if they are the creator of the universe, it got it has to be a little bit wider in the understanding. There, he is the first with no beginning and the last with no end. Again, singular he doesn't make sense for something that is so big and so wide that it is across all all space, all time, everywhere, singular. It's got to be they, because God is everywhere all at the same time. So again, it doesn't make any sense that even from an Islamic perspective, that there is, he's, again, they are not confined by space or time. They are in control and provides for their creation. Um, Yes, they say there's only the one God, but again, if if God is in all spaces, if God is in all places, and again, I'm not saying God is like multiple people, but I'm saying God's pronouns is correctly they. It's got to be more than a he. I would say it's got to be more than a she because it is so much, so many things. Now, we look at Buddhism. Buddhism's a layup. Buddhism so easy for this argument of why God is a they. So Buddhism sees God in everything. Um, also, here's what's interesting. In Buddhism, like when you reach understanding of all things, you hit what's called nirvana, right? And a nirvana idea is the idea that you have reached an actualization with all things and all beings in the universe. Then you become a Buddha. So it sounds like Buddha is all things in the universe, everything, all things, all places, uh, in all spaces, in all places, right? So again, if we're going to be looking at Buddhism, we're seeing Buddha is everything, right? If Buddha is everything, then can Buddha be a he? I think Buddha's former pronouns may have been he when we're talking about Siddhartha, I mean, that would make sense. But the problem is, you hit nirvana, then what happens? You hit nirvana, it sounds like you become a they. If you're a they in nirvana, then you got to understand that that God is bigger and wider than all things, right? And I understand in Christianity, um, Judaism, Islam, they're going to go back and they're going to say that God made man in his own image. Um, okay. But do you think... Do you think... A being without the need to procreate to make life needs sex organs to do so. Like, are we saying that God's gender identity is male? Again, I don't know that God can be limited to a concept like gender identity. God's too big. God's too much to be just a gender identity. See, that's what becomes problematic. The second you try to nail down and act like you know God... 
they are too big to be limited to that frame of understanding. They have to be bigger. They have to be more. They have to be beyond our concept and scope of our limited understanding. So let's look at some of the ways that then God has been described before. So first one is omnipotent. So let's let's take a second, dig into the idea of what is omnipotent. Like, what does it mean to be omnipotent? Uh, that's a big word. That's a 50 cent word. So again, let's, you know, if we're going to understand, then we got to dig into omnipotent. So omnipotent means having unlimited power able to do anything. Uh, as noun, it's also called God. It's uh, the quality of having unlimited power, um, and they and monotheistic religions generally attribute omnipotence with the only deity in their faith, right? So again, it's the only thing. Omnipotent power, omnipotent authority, um, a God sense. Um, almighty or omnipotent in power. So if you're going to give something the characteristic of omnipotent of power, then we got to understand more widely what would that mean if you have all power. Um, it means that you also have omniscience, omnipresence, and omnibenevolence. Whoa, those are pretty cool. Um, so it's a singular entity, um, but it has the power beyond itself. And I would also say if one is omnipotent, then God is in and exists within evil too, because how could God be beyond one space, one place? Am I saying again, is God evil? No, but does God understand evil? Yeah, yeah, completely. Because omniscience, I got to really look out how to say it. Omniscience, that's probably it. Omniscience, or it looks like omniscience. It's the capacity to know everything. Uh, so again, if God is only a man, how can God completely know and understand what it's be what it is to be female? If God is omnis omniscient, then we have to understand that it's beyond just one frame of understanding. It has to be beyond maleness. So um, it's a refutation of that cognition, either perceived or inferred, can be referred to just to omniscience. It's a demonstration of the possibility of omniscience uh, through apprehending selfless, universal nature of all knowings. Uh, it means to beyond what, what it means to be ignorant. It's a demonstration of all individual characteristics within one being. Okay, so again... If you're all individual characteristics, all at the same time, how can you only be a he? It makes no sense. Again, in Islam, right? He knows the past, the present, the future with omniscience. He knows all those things. So again, like if all things are known, then you have to be in all spaces at the same time. You have to be in all places at the same time. So it means it's really hard to limit God to one thing. So that covers the idea of omniscience. Let's go to omnipresent. 
like omnipresent too. So omnipresence or ubiquity is the property of being present everywhere. The term omnipresence is often used in a religious concepts as an attribute of a deity or a supreme being, while the term ubiquity is usually used to describe something existing or being everywhere at the same time, constantly encountered, widespread, and common. Ubiquity is also a synonym for words like worldwide, universal, global, pervasive, and all over the place. Omnipresence is usually conceived differently by different religious systems like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. The divine and the universe is separate, but the divine is also present everywhere. So if the divine is present everywhere, and if the divine is everywhere, if God is everywhere at all times, how is it one? It's got to be more and bigger than one. If you're present in all spaces, in all places, all at the same time, that is too much of a thing for a one that would, it would only make sense that the indefinite pronoun has to be they. If they is omnipresent, they are in all spaces. That's why they is the best way of looking at it. And again, when I talk to you about this, I'm not arguing that God is like dual theistic or polytheistic or monotheistic, right? I'm only talking about what God's pronouns are. And when we understand what God's pronouns are, we're able to talk to people from religions who think that they have a a complete and full understanding of God. And we're able to say, look, <clears throat> you don't know and understand in a way that would make sense. How can a singular be all at the same time? We have to be able to talk to them and think and think in ways that are beyond the thinking, right? So again, <clears throat> looking in Islamic beliefs, right? Uh, they say he, right again, he is everything but not in physical nearness. He is different in everything but in physical separation. Again, I would say he doesn't make sense. They are with everything, but not in physical nearness. They are different from everything, but not in physical separation. Again, let's look at another passage. He is not inside things, but in the sense of penetration and is not inside the physical of sense of exclusion. So again, the idea is they are in everything. They are not in physical exclusion the exclusion that sails some type of finite finitude he the, they is in finite infinitude it's really hard to say these words this is big thinking right now <clears throat> lastly he is distinct from things because he overpowers them and the things that are distinct from him are because they are in subjugation to them so again let's look at it they are indistinct from things because they are in power over all of them. And those things are distinct because they are in control of all of these things all at the same time. So again, omnipresence, that means many presences in all spaces, in all places at all times. Again, it would only make sense if we're looking at something as big and wide as God, that God has to be bigger and more than just the things we can think of. God has to be they, because God is in all places. Now, let's look at the last 
part of what omnipotence means, and that's omnibenevolence. And this is one of the reasons why I'm kind of a fan of some type of religion if we're going to try to do the work of inclusive activisms. That I think that we need some type of God power, some type of uh, truth power. Uh, That's how Gandhi knew it. If we're going to take on something so big as the things that separate all of us uh, and keep us, sadly, at all of each other's throats. So looking at this idea first of omnibenevolence. I've never really heard of this idea. Omna meaning all, bina meaning good, and villainance Volens, meaning willing, is defined by unlimited or infinite benevolence. Whoa. Unlimited or infinite benevolence. Could you imagine, like, being in the, in the presence of something that's all or infinite bene- benevolence? Man. If we could be more like that, I think we could really make a big positive difference in the world. <clears throat> Some philosophers argue that it's impossible, or at least improbable, for a deity to exhibit such a property along omniscience and omnipotence as a result of the problem of evil, right? So, to be good all the time means you have to be separate from good to deal with an idea like evil. But that's why I don't know that God works in a good and evil paradigm, because if God is all things at all times, then what is God, right? Um, A word, so again, let's look at this word a little bit more. The word is primarily used as a technical term within academic literature on the philosophy of religion and is mainly the context in context of the problem of evil and theological responses such as Perfect goodness, moral perfection are often preferred because of the difficulties um, of what would mean or constitute an idea as wide as ultimate or infinite benevolence. <clears throat> so again, um, if we're looking at omnibenevolence, that means in all spaces, in all places, in good. So <clears throat> again, if we're working from that frame, we're working from a really big, wide frame. That makes it very, very hard to put God in a space. <clears throat> and even with that, right? God is like seen as the truth or the light. Right? So God is the light. God is the way. So in Christianity, where was... Well, I think this is in with Christianity and Judaism and Islam as we understand it. Because we're working off the Old Testament, which is kind of based off the Torah. And all three of those religions believe in the Torah. Right? So if God is light... Where was God before he made the light? Uh Uh-oh, I I slipped into the thing. If God was the light, where were they before the light? God, they, was in the darkness, right? God was the darkness. God is in the light. God is in the darkness. God is in all places, God is in all spaces, right? So we have to see God has to be they. And I think when they're looking at this idea called omnibenevolent, I think what they're saying is, the, I think it's an idea that exists within nonviolence, and that is the idea that the universe is on the side of justice. The universe is working towards justice at all times, even though God is in the unjust as well, and thank goodness God is in the unjust as well, because that's what 
makes God they, and that's what gives us access to good beyond ourselves. I don't think humans are inherently good. I don't think humans are inherently bad, but they can be both things. And I think it's that God truth power in us, that that justice that pushes us towards us making a positive or good difference. Uh, and again, all good things can be bent towards bad, right? I can make love a bad thing by withholding love or making like my, my love make someone do bad things, right? So again, if we're looking at this idea, it would make sense still that God has to be a they. <clears throat> now, for my friends who are atheists and they're like, what's the point of this, man? Why would this matter? Why would this be something we need to look at as inclusive activisms, ac- activists. How are we going to get better enough to make a difference for others? And how do you distill this down to me in a way that I can use and understand? How can I take this and move this forward? Because you keep talking about God. God, 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 God. And God's got some loaded, difficult connotations for me. Dude, I get it. <laughs> Y'all, sorry. Y'all, I get it. Although, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can make dude, like, non-gendered, potentially. But either way. The point is, I understand your point of view. Now, let's speak from a scientific perspective, particularly. All right, here we go. Let's look at this idea of something beyond us, beyond um, just religion, as if we're going to make a case for God, why would this case for God have to be they? All right, let's dive in. So, if we're looking at physics, then we understand that all things are made of molecules. All those molecules are made of atoms. Atoms are the smallest parts of beings that we can see. Now, atoms really don't have a sense of substance to them. There's protons, there's neutrons, there's the electrons, right? And what gives states to things of beings are how densely packed the atoms are, right? Gases got the protons, the neutrons, electrons, but they're spread out more, right? That's why we can feel as though we move through it. Then we got liquids, right? And those protons, neutrons, and electrons, they're a lot closer together. That's what gives it a tangible form. And then we got solids, right? Um, And those are super densely packed atoms, which are, again, protons, neutrons, and electrons. If we're looking at all those things, all those things are just pieces of things. And all those pieces of things aren't different from each other, but they are perceived as different from each other. They are perceived as different. And then there's another thing called antimatter that I really don't know enough about to talk about in any, like understanding, but the best way I can say it is there's a substance within the non-substance. A substance within the non-substance. So sometimes I think when we're talking about God, we're talking about basically all things, all power, all at the same time. That's why that idea is if you could look through the universe, you would look through all things and you'd be staring back at yourself and again, it's not to say you're the, you're the universe, but the universe is you. And that you are connected through all things because you are not separate. Uh, folks that go through and do meditation see and understand that we are not separate. Folks that 
we'll go on plant medicine journeys. We'll talk about a feeling of oneness or togetherness with all things. So again, right, if we're going to start using a language for the singularity and the togetherness of all things, what pronoun would we give this concept? It's clearly they, or maybe I, although it's kind of hard to limit the connection of all things to an I, I think it'd be much more accurate to connect it to a they. So here's the trippy term that I'm going to lay on you all, and I'm curious as to what you think about it. I don't think you can use any pronouns for anything other than I and maybe they, because really, at the end of the day, gender is a social construct. Gender is just a thing that we made up. Gender is an idea that we came up with so we could kind of, in some way, shape, or form, describe our experience in the world. But I don't think we need to limit gender to our experience in the world. I think I am probably more accurate to talk about my experience in the world as a they than a he. Although I've been conditioned to learn and understand my own pronouns as he. Um, But this was an interesting idea, and I think knowing that we are more they's, or at least I's than he's or she's, give us a better sense of understanding why using pronouns shape our experience or understanding in the world. Because what if we could live into our connection to an idea of that we are a they, in that we are connected and inseparable from all things? What would it look like in the world if I had to value all things as part of what my experience of me is? Would I be racist? Would I be sexist? Would I be classist? Probably not. Because if you are me, then I got to love you. But here's what's hard is sometimes we don't love ourselves. And because we don't love ourselves, we have a hard time loving other people. And because we don't love ourselves, we are then angry or mean or hateful towards other people. Man, I was, I'm re-watching the whole Star Wars series again, and they talk about the Force, man. And I think the Force is a great way of understanding religion or spirituality or at least a concept bigger than just an eye and death. And it said, with the Force... That you got to be careful with things because, like, you can get over attached to stuff, which totally, honestly, I think the force is just Buddhism when they're talking about the force. The force is just Buddhism. It's just a way of understanding Buddhism. Uh, because when you see and understand and love all things and you don't get attached just to one thing and love one thing more than anything else, then you understand that we are a they all together. And that's what it means to be a we and a they connected together. And that's why I felt like this was something so important to talk to you about. Because God's correct pronouns are they. And I don't understand within the way we talk about God or see or understand God, how God could only be a he. It's too limiting. It's way too limiting. 
And the other thing is, the more and more I start looking into deeper understandings of the world and the universe, to say God is one thing is just too small. God's bigger than that. And I and and even if I'm looking at me, I'm bigger than that. And you're bigger than that. And can you live into the truth that you're bigger than that? Because that's the truth of our experience. You're bigger than that. You are we. You are us. And it's the times that we think that we're a singular lonely I that hate and destruction and pain happen. We got to remember that we're connected together and that we are a they together and we are an us together. I think I think us like the the we pronouns that connect to me to a bigger we like us like we I think those are probably the best pronouns that we should all use for everything. Because that really encapsulates the ideas of what it means to be and honestly experience the world as we know it. So, all right. So going through, what did I talk about today in the podcast? Today, I talked about uh, how the major monotheistic religions seem to give us a sense that God has got to be more than just a he. I gave evidence of ways that God is described and how those descriptors have to be more than a he, maybe a the, but even in talking through this out, I think God's more of an us, we. Us, we makes way more sense than even they, because they is like outside of me. Like we are us is what makes more sense. We are us is really, really what we're more looking at. And then lastly, I looked at from a scientific perspective, what would be the proper pronoun that we'd give for an idea like that? And again, to give evidence of how this works and what this looks like is when you go do service and you go help somebody else, you feel good, right? It's weird because I've had students and they've asked me, is it bad to feel good for doing service? And my typical response is, well, I don't think the hungry person that's getting fed through your effort cares how happy you are or not. I don't think they want you being like, at least I'm not that guy, right? But I do think they want to feel you to feel a connection to them and you to not feel different than them and you to see that we are interconnected, that we are two together to be considered separate. I think that's why I that service is a spiritual, spiritually significant act. I think even if you're an atheist and you do service, you experience something spiritual, which is beyond the mind, body, and like, let's even just like say heart, like as a representation of love, because even with an idea as big as love, there's a spiritual component to it. It's not just hormones because even the hormones don't make enough sense to give it a sense of connection to something bigger than us. So again, looking at God, looking at us, if we're really to understand the world, we really need to see that we are us, that we are a sense of togetherness, that the singularity is not a singularity. It's a we-we-larity, wingularity. It's an uscularity. I think uscularity sounds better. Uscularity. Uh, but that's more accurate to describe what we're experiencing on the world than just they, than just he, than just I. 
it makes more sense if we're going to accurately talk about what we're experiencing in reality specifically. So those are the big three ideas that we covered today. So with that, let's been looking at how I have been active lately. So just last weekend, I, I applied to be a director at any town. And that went really, really well, and I was excited about that. And I have not heard whether I will be director or not. It's hard because I was very upfront and honest with my limitations, and I wasn't just willing to say yes because I have a lot going on in life. Um, And I am still working on putting together a civil rights pilgrimage, although I'm trying to get them to change the idea of pilgrimage because that's problematic in a lot of different ways. Um, But it would be, the purpose would be to take people on a nonviolent tour of the South to look at what happened in the civil rights era. And that's taken up hours here and there. And that uh, I think will be considered service because it's going to be with people that have access to means. And I think the people that have access to means are going to understand that there's the ability to do more with it. I also um, making more progress on TEDx excited about that and looking to see that come to fruition a little bit more and a little bit better. Uh, I also had a meeting with Playworks. Playworks is a nonprofit organization that makes sure that kids have access to have recess in an inclusive space where no one's left out, no one's sitting off to the side, where they deal with conflict in a positive and productive manner. And um, that was awesome. I also did an inner any town large group facilitation training, and that went really, really well. And I was excited about that. We went, we watched Tough Guys, and we watched uh, Trevor Noah kind of break apart how Trevor Noah does some interesting things on the internet. Um, on the internet, it's how to win any argument, but it's funny. He's not really winning arguments. He's using facilitation skills to help people connect with one another. So did that Anytown training, uh, had a healing racism meeting where we're going to be looking at digging into whiteness a lot, lot longer, a lot more fully. Uh, and then I did service at the Andre house on Monday, December 2nd with my students. So I've been doing a lot of service recently and it's been a very, very busy time and that's been good and I've really enjoyed it. And so I feel like, uh, I'm really good, did a really good job with my activism and I'm glad I did a really good job on my activism because this is a time for retreat and withdrawal for me and Michelle. And that's really what we're focusing on right now. Uh, through now, through the end of the year. And this is the last podcast for 2020, 2019. Um, next podcast is going to be doing the forward-looking thing about 2020. What will that look like? What will that do? And then lastly, looking at my self-care. Self-care has been pretty solid. Got the gym in, I would say, both cardio-wise and lifting-wise, as much as I needed to last week. The week before, not so much. I think maybe three days. Uh, meditation two days, meditation last week, I want to say three days. Uh, starting off this week, I've got both days of meditation in, and I'm feeling really good about that. And um, did some cardio uh, most days and, and just resting on Sunday. So I'm feeling really good about where I am uh, with my self-care, and I'm going to be diving into self-care very, very deeply over the course of the next few weekends. And lastly, I got a recommendation for the podcast, and I'm going to be recommending something that I haven't honestly looked at yet. I haven't had the chance to dig into yet, but I'm going to tell you about what it is. 
So this is going to be a book called Radical Compassion. Uh, it's learning to love yourself and learning to love the world through the practice of rain. Uh, and I really like this a lot. So it's by uh, Tara Brock, and I love Tara Brock. She did Radical Acceptance, and I really appreciate her as an author. I follow her podcast very closely. Uh, one of the most beloved and trusted mindfulness teachers in America offers a lifeline for difficult times, the RAIN meditation, which, erase, which awakens our courage and our heart. Tara Brock is an in-the-trenches teacher who works, whose work counters today's ever-increasing onslaught of news, conflict, demands, and anxieties, stresses that leave us rushing around on autopilot, and cuts us off from the presence and creativity that gives our lives meaning. In this tartfelt and deeply practical book, she offers The Antidote, an easy-to-learn four-step meditation that quickly loosens the grip of difficult emotions and limiting beliefs. Each step in the meditation progress, pro- practice, recognize, so you look and see what your problem is. So again, recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture is brought to life by memorable stories shared by Tara and her students as they deal with the feelings of overwhelmingness, overwhelming loss, self-aversion, and painful relationships, as well as past trauma. And they discover step-by-step sources of love, forgiveness, compassion, and deep wisdom within all of us. So I'm hoping you can get something out of listening to uh, Radical Compassion. It's not out yet, but it should be out on the 31st, it looks like. And that's going to be my one of the things I really feel like I need to get to before the end of the year. So I'm going to be checking that out. So with that, folks, it's the end of the 2019. It's been a struggle since 2016, uh, but I've been here for you, and I have appreciated that you've been listening. Uh, and I deeply appreciate and love that you all listen, that you take the time, and hopefully you're getting something out of this. Uh, hopefully you got something out of this This God is a they idea, too, because he's got to be bigger than just he. He is they. So with that... I deeply love and appreciate you. Make sure you check us out. Give us a voicemail at 860-576-9393. That's 860-576-9393. Rate and review us. Share us online, especially if you got something out of us. And I really appreciate your thoughts and opinions if you're willing to share them. Please take time to share the podcast, rate and review us, uh, and do all those little things because it helps spread the show and it gives me a feeling of progress. And with that, I love you all deeply. Be blessed.